Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. There is an opportunity and there is a responsibility because crown lands, the ones on which we operate, are public lands. And I think people just need to understand that's the first thing. So they're all of our lands. So it's our job to look after them. And so a couple of things you go, okay, wait a minute, stewardship, that notion of it. And we, we look after well, 36 parks, 43 reserves, a bunch of other stuff. But it's about 23,000 acres of land of which so much of this is um, very special. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thanks to our major sponsor, Neon Treehouse, for all their amazing social media support. This week's episode is sponsored by Reflections Holiday Parks. They're not your average holiday park, but in fact are Australia's first holiday park group to be certified as a social enterprise. Social Enterprise Certifications for Reflections recognises their unique role as a profit-for-purpose land manager, reinvesting all their profits into the 36 holiday parks and 43 community crown reserves that they care for, for environmental and social benefit. Today you're going to hear from their inspiring leader, CEO Nick Baker. If you want to partner with Humans of Purpose to promote your organisation, products or services, we do this just a handful of times each year to cover our operating costs and are open to just two more opportunities of this kind for the year. This is a core part of our social enterprise model that enables us to continue to provide you with great content totally free each and every week. To learn more, just check out our range of promotional packages and the new partner inquiry form in our show notes and we'll be in touch. This is a great chat with Nick who's had a fascinating career to date, and this is also perfectly timed given my recent discovery and growing relationship with nature. I have massive respect for what Reflections Holiday Parks are doing as sector disruptors who are providing an incredible opportunity to stay in stunning natural locations, whilst also contributing to land conservation and strengthening First Nations rights. If you feel like staying somewhere that cares and invests in nature as much, if not more than you do, then Reflections will show you a wonderful time at any of their stunning 36 locations across the country. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nick as much as I did. Nick, absolutely thrilled to be here with you today. Where do, you, where do I find you on this uh, lovely Melbourne day? So I'm up here in Hardy's Bay is where I've got, we've got a, we're staying in a house we rented up here and I'm getting out of the house and working in a co-working space um, this week. So up in here in Yumina. Fantastic. Well, I love a bit of an interstate conversation. We're both in co-work spaces. We're both escaping our families, which uh, <laughs> sets the tone perfectly, I think, for a nice relaxed chat. Uh, I have so much that I want to talk to you about today. I mean, I'm fascinated by the concept of Reflections Holiday Parks. Um, I've just got back from a camping trip and a, a, another trip to the outdoors in Vic o- over the Easter break. So plenty to talk about camping wise. But maybe let's kick off and talk a little bit about your fascinating career journey. Um, take us back as as far as you like. And when I say um, career, I'm also talking about the life journey because I think they're mm. a bit inseparable these days. So perhaps, um, you know, coming up through marketing, uh, travel, uh, tech. There's so much to explore. Start us off wherever you'd like to, and maybe then we can touch on and get into detail around reflections. Right. Okay. Well, I think probably a, a good place to start is after I graduated. So I, I graduated in hotel management and marketing. Um, 
and uh, and that was sort of born out of working in some hotels being a porter and working in kitchens and all the kind of stuff you do when you're young um and when i went to work summer camps in the u.s i was sort of teaching sport whether it's kayaking um windsurfing track rock climbing those kind of stuff and i really got into that whole sort of outdoors side of it little did i think that I would be later going back into this because my view after that was, well, I'll probably go into hotels and do all that. But I did that for a couple of years, hitchhiked up and down the US um, and did a whole bunch of stuff there, which was great fun. And then went into uh, restaurants and restaurant management um, for a bit and then started just sort of progressing my way through hotels. And it was a very sort of rapid one. In those days, it wasn't so much of a path. It was just like, okay, this is an opportunity. I want to try this new skill. And it, you know, it's something I still recommend today is you can devise your own skills by going to different places, taking on different things and different learnings and different environments. Because I think one of the themes of my career has been different environments, different learnings at each point, and then seeing if they sort of generally splice together, but no absolute crystal clear direction only this uh, this journey part of it and i think that's that's key so did that for a few for a bit and then opened up a hotel brand new hotel um, for an international company called renaissance which is marriott now um in brighton which was fascinating to a big five-star hotel opening um and while i was there i was running rooms division which is sort of uh, reception, housekeeping, porter, concierge, all those kind of functions. And the, and the GM kept on asking me about the rates and kept on asking me about why we weren't performing as well as we could, we could be doing and all these things. And and she was really sort of on my case. And, I, and, and so I said, well, I don't understand why you keep asking me. We've got a head of sales and marketing. And she said, well, uh, she's leaving. Um, I said, well, why are you asking me this? She said, well, well I'm going to come back on Monday from the weekend and you're going to be the new head of sales and marketing. I went, what? <laughs> and so it was like, okay, this is a bit of a baptism by fire type of thing. And that's when I was. And that's when it sort of started. And a year later, I was uh, moved out of there to Hong Kong. Wow. That's that's some little capture of a journey right there. So um, you basically, and I love this, and sometimes I think about the Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a, a plan until you get punched in the face. And it sounds to me like that was a bit of your punch in the face. You're going to be the head of marketing next week. Yes, it was. It was like, holy crap. And so I went back and sort of started reading up on all this stuff. And and then I got right into it. And I'm sure I made dozens and dozens of mistakes, but I was allowed to make those. And that's one of those things that's so important, having a boss that understands that you can make some mistakes and just constant learning, constant sort of where can I find information? And again, in those days, it wasn't as easy as it is now. So it meant books, 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 books. Um, but it was really valuable. And like anything else, if you just open your mind and ask questions, you'll find the answers. Nick, that's um, so well said. And, and I really like your generalist approach and how you've just sort of gone along, followed your passions. And, you know, you, you didn't have a, a journey mapped out, much, much like many of us today. I think it really is about following where life takes you rather than having an intentional plan sometimes. Oh, I, I agree. And in fact, almost to the point now, I much prefer hiring um, senior people in, in organizations that haven't got some linear track, that have gone off and done different things during their careers, that haven't, you know, that, that have challenged the orthodoxy of what they might see as a constructed path for that, for that and said, I'm going to have a bash at doing this. And I think it's, it's almost also one of the other things now is everyone has side hustles and you can get some really good experience from people that have little side hustles and how it helps to mold their central theme. So, mm. yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's really well said. And I, I think even that idea of a, a side hustle, I mean, I just have this uh, this worry, I guess, that um, people tend to pigeonhole other people as my job mm. is who I am, is what I do. But people do a myriad of things. And, you know, I think it's it's just really interesting to sort of dive into outside of a job. What What is a person's total uh, sphere of enjoyment, um, influence and, and existence? Oh, totally. And these days, when you know, obviously, the nature of this particular podcast is about purpose. Um, is that that construct about what else drives you outside and trying to understand people's motivations um, and why they're doing a particular role and why they've done particular things is really important when you're starting to build an organisation. And with reflections, it was a case of rebuilding an entity that was there and reshaping it for the next stage of its journey and required very much people's ability to be curious and iterative. And those are two things that I find a great requirement for and looking for people is that, that insatiable curiosity, that ability to iterate and think on the run and, and show that they've done that during not just their work stuff, but often life. And so you've taken us to reflections, and now we're reflecting on reflections. Sorry for the uh, tautology there. It can, it can be a little bit cheeky with that kind of thing. But um, I, I'd love to know a bit about sort of for you, um, the love of nature, obviously, the, the marketing expertise, and then there's also the piece around going from a CMO to CEO, which mm. sort of ha- happened before reflections for you as well. I mean, I, I think when people look at careers, um, they often think, oh, people who are CEOs or CMOs or C-suites just sort of s- sit down one day when they're young and think, oh, I'm going to be a CEO or a CMO. <laughs> That's not really how life happens. So uh, I'd love to hear a bit about your, your reflections on that journey and sort of your first experience as a CMO, your first experience as a CEO, and also how, you know, your love of nature led you to to reflections or just the opportunities that came that way. I think the way that it sort of started was I came when I was transferred out of, so I went out of the UK, went to Hong Kong, was working in China and areas around there for a bit, and then got transferred down to down to Australia. In fact, a, a little funny antidote for that is I was meeting up with a VP um, one, uh, one, one Thursday. And he said to me, um, when you go down to to Sydney, now I've already been traveling around and been different places to help out with projects and what have you. Uh, when you go to Sydney, so I went, yep, sure. We'll do it a week later. I said, okay, uh, um, when are you thinking? And he said, oh, I think um, in two weeks' time. Um, and I said, okay, fine. So I went away, thought about it, and was, okay, planning to this, this group. I said, um, okay, this is what I think you want me to do. I'm just going to check. And he said, no. You're going to live down there. I want you to take over the, ma- the, the sales <laughs> of these properties down there. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You and that's by this stage it was six days out. And it's like, okay, fine. So anyway, six days later, I got sent down there, and that was fantastic because I came to this country and I suddenly realised, whoa, this is an extraordinary place. And I'm a surfer, so it was like, <laughs> how good is this? I'm not having to put um, five millimeters of wetsuit on every time I went into the English Channel um, or down west. <laughs> And I thought, this is a great place. And so so I started doing that. And then Grant Hunt, who was the CEO of Ayers Rock Resort, which then became Voyages, um, had said to me, look, I'm interested in doing this Ayers Rock. We, we've got this project out here. And we're looking for a CMO. And so I joined then. And that was really that sort of first part about nature that, that really started to fuse together loves and interests of mine, hiking, surfing, camping, all that kind of stuff, um, climbing, and brought it together under that. And then we developed that whole business uh, around that notion of experiential side of, of, of tourism, that it's more than just a, a room. And hotels are quite narrow and defining in that they're just mostly rooms and that's all that they do. 
Whereas the kind of experiences that I want to do is help people get out and really find what I found, which is the powerful impact that nature has on people. I th- I think it's an incredible notion and one that I've actually discussed with a friend who's in the mental health space, interestingly, the idea of mm. not just going on a holiday, but going to a place where you can be on a holiday, but also connect deeply with nature and experience all the benefits and upside that nature has to offer. Well, you know that um, now it's prescribed, it was it off in Scotland and then went to America, where there's health services that are now prescribing time in nature. Yep. as an antidote and i think that's part of it and in japan you've got this notion of uh, forest bathing um where you go out and and it and, it, and there's science based behind this in terms of negative ions and a whole bunch of other things that you can get from it so it, it is factual and you know i remember going again going back to summer camps when we'd have kids that would come out from inner city new york so we worked in a ymca camp and up, this was up in connecticut and they would have had spent little time in the in, in outside um, in green spaces, and just the fact that they first go there and they first start understanding a little bit about it and breathing it in, it's 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 a wonderful way to connect. And I think, you know, part of the downstream impacts from COVID um, and the forced indoors nature of it was that reconnection with nature. And I think people just wanting that space, and perhaps I'm hoping uh, a, another impact of that or a secondary order effect of that is people values nature more. And hopefully, well, that'll lead to trying to deal with some of the big crises that we're we're currently dealing with. Yeah, Nick, that's a fascinating reflection. And I think that's very consistent with what I'm hearing uh, from a lot of people I speak to on the podcast, colleagues and outside, and particularly myself working in the tech social enterprise space. I mean, I just say to people, uh, whenever they want to meet, my preference is, can it be on the phone or in person outside? Because Mm. I, I don't want to be stuck behind a screen any longer than I have to be. Um, but I've also noticed as a sort of post-COVID or maybe just a life situational thing um, as I get a little bit um, older and got a kid now that I, I just would like to be outside doing things whenever possible. Um, yeah. I think, and, you know, it, there, there's a lot as there's research that's come back with the Camping Caravanning Institute have done, which shows people connect more. And you know, there's something, and there's something. That one of the projects that we want to do this this year is a project where we want to put up a tent in every single one of our parks, and this tent will be fully stocked. Um, it'll have um, beds um, and in it fireplaces, and, in, and invite people that are less fortunate to be able to come and spend time together as families, particularly families in distress, because there's that notion that when you go out camping, everyone has a job. Everyone has to do something. They put this up, they fix this, they're in this or that side of it, and they're in nature. And they're in in something that on one side can be a bit of stress. You know, this is not my usual room that I live in. This is this is different. But that is a good way to help people connect. And it's a, a different way for people to see the lens of where they are in a different way. And so I think that that, that powerful notion, notion of nature and its healing impacts is so true. Yeah, and also what you've highlighted there for me is that sense of community that you do get from um, being at these sort of nature and camping sites. I mean, even my experience, I've said it on the podcast before, but um, camping last weekend for a friend's 40th birthday, we all went to the Cathedral Ranges in Victoria and spent a night out there after doing a sort of grade five trail that was pretty intense. And um, I didn't know most of the guys and I haven't 
camped since probably year 10 or year 11 high school. So I didn't have any of the gear, bit out of touch, no right ACL, lots of uh, potential constraints. Uh, but I hired the gear, I went out and did it. And I was amazed at just the camaraderie and the support and um, people coming together around nature. And one thing that stood out for me, Nick, and it's a bit off topic, but just a special moment around connecting with nature with friends and family is that we were, I ran out of water um, on the second day and um, we weren't camping near a natural water source. So we went for a bit of a 10-minute uh, uh, stroll to sort of try and find a, a creek, which we ended up finding. And we collected four litres of water using a bladder for the rest of the group and, and for myself. And um, thankfully, one of the guys at the group had one of these beautiful cleansing tablets to yep. use for, the, for that water. But it was just a magical experience to collect water from a stream that we found together um, and then to bring that back to the group and just little things like this. And, you know, they, they make um, that this is a, a moment that for the other person is probably insignificant because he's a regular camper. But for me, will just be etched in my memory for a long time. Well, I think it was it was probably that sort of a that it, it's a collaborative experience. We, we've got to go and do this. And then it's also a realization. Wait, I actually need water. And there is, no, you know, I've got to find water. And it's sort of like, okay, this is something that we have to do. The, going back to the sort of collaborative thing, one of the things that we've seen as emerging is there's a, <clears throat> a lot of um, single women that are now going camping and caravanning. And there's sort of two constructs behind that, I think, that are driving that. Is one is there's a sense of camaraderie. You know, when you go and park your, camp, your, your van or you pitch your tent, every, people next door to you speak to you. Yep. You know, if you went and checked in at the Hyatt and stayed in room 124, there's no way on earth you're going to knock on 126 and say, hey, I just want to say, hello, I'm, I'm next to, door to you. What's your room like? I mean, <laughs> you don't even speak to them in the elevator. But when you go camping and caravanning, you speak to everybody. And it's quite normal for people to say, hey, what have you done with your rig? I noticed you put that on there. Has, has that worked? And so there's a sense of community first. And that community also brings safety. And there's that sense of I'm connected in that little microcosm that exists in that park. And we see that on families that have spent so many years staying in Reflections Parks. We actually had somebody that I think this year they celebrated their 60th summer holidays in one of our parks up at, um, where was this one? I think it was a terrace reserve, Red Brunswick Heads. And they stayed there. And you just go, how, how incredible is that? That's amazing. And, and Nick, I mean, sometimes every now and then a concept in, in life, uh, business and enterprise sort of um, pops up on my radar. And I just think to myself, how did this not exist already? And Reflections Holiday Parks is certainly one of them. I mean, the idea of a business uh, that runs as a social enterprise where people can have that experience in nature, they can stay somewhere beautiful and pristine in the environment, they can have a sense of community and a real experience, but then knowing that the profits of that experience goes back into caring for the land and for caring for that local community, it, it's just fascinating. Is this how, like, I, I mean, I guess that's more of a statement, but then it just begs the question, like, was this a shock to you that this wasn't already around? And Well, I, I have to profess, I didn't know very much when I, I was being talked to about this job. I didn't know much about it and started studying it. And and then I went, well, look, there's an, an awesome There is an opportunity and there is a responsibility because Crown Lands, the ones on which we operate, are public lands. And I think people just need to understand. That's the first thing. So they're all of our lands. 
So it's our job to look after them. And so a couple of things you go, okay, wait a minute, stewardship, that notion of it. And we, we look after well, it's 36 parks, 43 reserves, a bunch of other stuff. But it's about 23,000 acres of land, of which so much of this is um, very special and protected. It'll either it'll have native title issues, it'll have um, tidal inundation issues, it'll have climate change impacts, it'll have dams that go from 90 to 1%. It'll have all kinds of things in it. We've got to look after them, the stewards for that. And our job is to give them back better and to make sure that they're the places people want to come and spend moments in their lives and that gets to the notion of holidays which is perhaps another element off of this but it was really important to us that we take this and i keep talking to everyone about that sort of um you know a good society is one which plants trees under which old men will never sit under and, and i think that's the notion i try to instill through the whole of the organization that we we're not this is not about short term we're just not going to do this for the next year or two we're going to do this forever to make sure that these places are protected and it's one of the reasons why we're keen and what makes us different is to showcase the natural beauty that we're in and protect it so again very different from hotels and you know there's a lot of people when i started out in hotels i just wanted to work in five-star luxury hotels you know kind of a natural thing and now i go that they really are so simple in comparison to running camping and caravanning I mean, we have 76,000 trees we have to look after and have an arborist go through every year from a safety protocol. We have scientists working on sand erosion and tidal inundation. So that's why this as an industry is collecting a whole bunch of people from very different areas to come together into it. In fact, we're putting our first sustainability um, engineer around um, some funds that we're creating inside the business. And these are all firsts. It's it's an incredible business model. It's it's all quite fascinating. And so maybe a good jumping off point here is to talk about what it, what was it like going through that sort of accreditation social enterprise journey. I know a bit about it myself um, from my previous experience, both social traders and the B Corp sort of um, oh, journey. But I'd yeah. love to hear all about it, what it's been like and um, how it's kind of informed how you see the business now. Well, I think the, the the real light bulb moment was when we gathered, this is probably about 16, 16 months ago, to do the first real, I just put the, the team together. You know, basically a CEO has, I, I think, five key roles. One is to um, devise a strategic plan. Two is to build a team to deliver the strategic plan. Three is to fund the strategic plan. Four is to communicate the shit out of the strategic plan so everyone knows it. And five is to hold people accountable. So we kind of got this team together, which um, which is which is fantastic. And we sat down for this strategic planning. We thought, well, what's our long-term goal? What's 2030 look like? And we made the decision that it was two things. One was about putting $1.3 billion back into the communities in where we operate. And the second was we would be B Corp because B Corp, highest accreditation level. And we thought it was encapsulated, not just, not just the notion of sustainability, but it was social equity and there's a bunch of other things in there. And then we started doing it. Lauren, um, who looks after our, our community comms inside the organization, came up and said, well, let's, let's look at this social enterprise model because that's really what we are at heart. And so we went through it, social traders. We started going through that. I mean, actually, to, one, this does sound like us. So it's not going to be a huge job. And the second is, this is what we should be. And, and this will help us on our B Corp journey. It will help identify who we are and perhaps if we had these lightning rods, these North stars that we can say, that's what we hold dear. And that's always going to be important. It gets to that point where after a while, 
you got to you got to stop just speaking in the right way. You've got to start doing, and this was that format for us to do. Yes, um, oh, look, there's so much to unpack there. And and first, I just want to say your encapsulation of the CEO role into those five key functions is something I'm going to have etched at the back of my mind for quite a while now, and certainly going to be chatting to my CEO and. Uh, <laughs> He's just making sure he's ticking all those boxes. <laughs> but um, yeah, so lof- lofty standards, but a, a real fit for for your identity, it sounds mm. like. And, you know, that idea of um, holding yourself to, you know, two sets of accreditation is really um, leading stuff. I mean, I don't know of too many organizations. I know a lot of organizations in this space. I don't know of any that are both a social enterprise and B Corp. Do you know any others? I don't. But I'm, I suspect that there are. Um, there must, there must be. There must be. But it, it really, it, it provides us with guardrails um, on how we do things and, and forces us in a rethink. And you know, it's been quite interesting that once you start constructing, and this, this goes exactly to the heart of your podcast and what you're doing, which is brilliant because it's showcasing the role that this plays in organisations and individuals, which is perfect. Um, that once we started talking about purpose. And once we started putting what that shape was for the organization, our ability to attract new managers into the organization jumped dramatically. You know, we had 247 applications for two um, regional managers positions. And a whole bunch of those we could have taken on board. And a lot of that was driven by this notion of wanting for purpose. And again, second order effect of COVID, I think it's people challenging their, 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 their environments and thinking about, I want to make a difference maybe and do something that has purpose. Um, and I think that then people will help self-select for what we're doing. Um, yeah. And I think that you, I definitely recognize the attraction uh, uh, effect of that, like bringing great people who have that passion and purpose and, or, you know, massive marketing impact and reputational impact as well of, of the accreditation. Um, I think there's also an interesting thing that you said about guardrails and, and sort of that idea that sort of these processes tend to help you clarify your journey towards your strategic goals or endpoint as well. Oh. Totally, totally. You know, it's it's that sort of, if you accept, and I'm a big believer in adaptive leadership and adaptive styles, um, and that really is a, com- a constant sort of challenge of ideas inside it, but which can sound quite loose. So in order to be super flexible and adaptive, you've got to have guardrails and protocols that keep you inside something. It's kind of like we set this direction of 1.3 billion and B Corp, and how we get there, this path is going to change, but it's it's got to keep true to those. And so what we did inside our strategic plan is we built these, what we call the Big Ten. Wonderful name for it, really, but it's just 10 things. If we're going to be successful, we have to do these things, and we have to hold ourselves accountable to those. And so those form these inside guardrails, and then everything else, I, I can't tell you the amount of flexibility, the amount of iteration that we've had inside of that. Um, and, you know, again, a strong belief in it to really if you're going to succeed in business and perhaps as an individual if you have aspirations to be a, a leader and definitely this is something that i learned out of marketing is you have to be willing to step out of line you have to be willing to st- challenge the orthodoxy of current views and you have to be prepared to debate the big issues those things are really crucial and so that's what we built the organization on and so there's a lot of ch- um, challenge inside of it but we need the guardrails 
Yeah, it's, it's Otherwise, extremely... we'll go all over the place and we'll never get anything done. <laughs> it's so well said. Flexibility, uh, like having a set uh, vision, but also flexibility in how you fulfill that plan and that vision and how you execute, fundamental. Um, can we speak, Nick, about the reconciliation action plan and what role that plays um, in your journey? Yes. So <laughs> fundamental to some... One of the things that we do when we, we sort of put the strategic plan, we looked at, at what Crown Land's strategic plan was. Um, and the relationship with Crown Lands was, is fundamental to us. It's very important that we, we run lockstep behind what they're trying to do. Um, and one of those elements was obviously native title and the, issue, the issues that surround that. And our belief that if we're going to be looking after these, if we have stewardship, we're going to look after lands that have title over them. We're going to be uh, looking after First Nations people that are inside of that. And as, a, as part of that, we wanted to recognise their role that, that we play in, in the countries in which we are operating. And we operate in nine different um, countries inside that inside our, where our parks are. And so we thought, OK, we've got to have a wrap because, again, otherwise we're just talking this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But if we've got to put it in, so we built our first reflect wrap which, which has been put into place and that again is is also this set of guardrails because it's an internal mechanism to go well wait a minute are we living true to that and we developed videos around it in terms of how we would respond to it and now we're working one of the pieces that we we, we really want to be able to do is have some way at every park to bring to life the land that we operate in from an indigenous perspective, from a natural perspective. And we think that working with um, indigenous groups is really going to be key to that. In fact, we're looking at whether it be cultural burning, whether it be experiences, whether it be just learning how to say hello in, in, in language. You know, there's a lot of ways we can do that. So that's the journey we're kind of on. And it is another one of those guardrails and it is a principal founding block of our quadruple bottom line approach that we have to work with, which means and we, uh, that we have to build um, platforms whereby we can engage with um, different groups and bring them into the, or the, the places where we work. Yes, and so I was just reflecting a little bit on on the nature of the um, the enterprise that you're running and um, was thinking there must be a lot of um, like probably deeper and broader stakeholder consultation than uh, running any other sort of regular hotel business. Am I right? Oh, yes, yes, you, you are. Um, we, we're working on a downhill mountain bike track and working with uh, Indigenous groups as well there. Um, so, yes, there is. Um, and again, that, you know, it, it, it's about how do we how do we shape those and how do we recognise that um, and how do we bring begin those conversations? And, you know, it's, it's, we, we are on some very special places whereby there is uh, um, the, there is a lot of protection and areas that we've got to work together on but you know and you can see that as a bit of a hindrance but you've got to again go back to the notion of stewardship and ownership and all those other kind of things and work with it and, and realize some things are going to move faster and slower um but really i think in in today's today's world a lot of people that are coming to our parks really would love to know more about well what's this plant used for what what's the name that's given to it what's the history behind where we are that's you know, again, this is not where you're going to go and stay in an apartment or in a hotel with, but when you go camping, it seems right. Absolutely. A really impressive, um, your your approach there. And I think, um, 
you know, so important as well how we have these conversations and that they're ongoing too. So we often talk in in this space about consultation versus co-design versus the ongoing consultation mm. or human-centered design. And it's very pleasing to hear that, you know, this reconciliation action plan and the consultation and discussions that you're doing really are um, iterative, ongoing, dynamic and flexible too. Yes, and more we get out into things like tracks and trails, which is an area we're working in, and and, and also an experience that we're putting in at um, Lake Keep It, which is which is beautiful up near Tamworth in Canada, um, which was a night sky dreaming concept, and we're going to be helping to build we're building these sort of luxury glamping tents around this, um, and then also working with um, working with some First Nations people that are out there that really have a night sky dreaming story. And we want to provide a platform for them to tell the story and kind of we want to almost do it such in a way that it looks at what the sort of western mystic cosmos version is versus the local cultural version is and try and bring those in some kind of place and, and of course it's out there in big sky country which is just amazing no light pollution it's just beautiful again the benefit of us having like lake keep it i think it's probably on about a thousand acres of land probably more than that so we have space and that's really really the way to be able to bring things together finally. and so nick um on the wonderful beautiful sites you've got i was just on the website earlier just sort of playing around with some dates and having a look at some of your sites and no doubt i'm going to book one of your, your vacations very shortly when i can find some time off work but um you've got a range of options too so it's not just tent camping you've got glamping you've got caravans talk us through the options that people have got when they choose one of your beautiful sites well i think we'll start at the beginning is again being this kind of uh, um, organization with profit for purpose um, is, is fundamental. We make sure that all of our parks basically have cheap, basic camping that anybody can go along to. You know, so many holiday parks these days are really just made out of lots and lots of cabins bookended all the way along. And it will be 30% of their park is cabins and it's also squashed. Um, whereas we only have about 9% of our available spaces actually in cabins. So what we've done is we've made sure that we've got everything from basic camping, but we do have, and if you go to a place like, uh, let's say, Seal Rocks, um, which is just a beautiful park right on the beach there with be with really high-grade, I mean, they are very luxurious cabins that are on, eco-cabins that are on the front there. That, so we've got those, and then we've got, Glamping, which is increasingly popular in, in it. We've just put some new ones into Lennox Head, and there's a bunch going all over the place at the moment, and that's a very popular plate. And then the funny one that we, we sort of were the first pioneers, this was before I, I joined, the organization has started working in tiny homes. Um, and these are kind of cute because they're really very, very good for couples. It doesn't matter what age of couple they can go into, and we locate them in the, some really neat parts of the park, so they're backing into nature. And so I was up at Jimmy's Beach, and there's um, half a dozen of these that back onto the res uh, back onto the reserve and the walking trails to the beach, and they're just beautiful, and they're just small and kind of cute and great for all different kinds of ages. So we run everything from camping through to glamping through to luxury through to tiny homes, and hopefully we'll do, do some even weirder stuff in the future. Oh, I can't wait for the weirder stuff. I mean, I'm very into all of the modes that you've offered. Have you been watching Alone Australia on SBS lately? <laughs> I'm actually a, a, I, I've watched I think all eight seasons of Alone uh, all the way back um, I, I love it yes isn't it fantastic so I was, I was just um, 
I was thinking about that in my head and then I thought I'll probably just talk to you about it, but not that that's the experience that you're offering, but there are a lot of <laughs> more, less intrepid options that are just delightful. Well, the, the, it reminded me when you were speaking about earlier about looking for water. Yep. I mean, that is, you know, one of the fundamentals when they get dropped off and they're suddenly there with their 10 things and they're like, wait a minute, I've got to, do I build, <laughs> do I go for a fish, do I build shelter, do I get water? And that's really, their world is centered around those kind of things. One of the things that we'd be doing with so much more of this space is, is we want to give families an opportunity to come and stay in the park, but then go on a walk, let's say five, six Ks, so enough with younger kids such that it is a walk, and then overnight in the bush. So Love it. it's not scary. They can go out and they can just overnight, there'll be some form of drop to- um, toilet or something there. So it's not completely primitive, but yep. an opportunity to, to have their first tentacles. And wouldn't it be great if that is for some young kid, it's their first experience and they go on to a life of love of nature and camping as a result of being able to have those little mini excursions out of the park into places and, and just stay with their, um, their parents for one night under the night sky. Nick, would you do them a kindness and allow them more than 10 items? (laughs) (laughs) We'll do that. That's very good of you. Um, Look, amazing stuff. And I I just want to just cite the call out that you listed in your uh, form, which I think is just fantastic because, you know, we ask guests to fill out this little form that gives us an idea about what your call to action is here for for the podcast. And you've said, uh, we want people to think of our organization as one that gives a XYZ about nature and what we do to think of reflection parks as wonderful places to connect with nature, to not forget the importance of holidays. So for me, that is just such a nice summing up of everything that it's about. You know, it, it's about getting, getting elemental. It's about reconnecting with nature. It's about community. It's about also, as you say, rightly, profit for purpose. So having an experience where you can connect with nature in a way that contributes to nature too. Uh, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, look, I, I, I am memories and moments are just so fundamental to people's lives. When you look back and you go on these things, and holidays are just a keystone of that. You can remember you, the months and months can go by without you remembering a single thing, but holidays are not. They're unique little moments that bring together families or friends or you as an individual. And when you do that in nature, there's an almost like it shines a brighter light on that. And the memories are, are burnt into you stronger because of that. Um, and those are things that you take with you for, and, and form those little wonderful spots in your life where they've got this, oh, it's a shitty day, but I remember this holiday or it's, I'm planning this holiday and this is going to be great. And we're going to you know, get out and do some stuff. And but so creating those moments and we take it seriously about and we, we, one of the things we set ourselves a challenge to, is to be the best at hello this year. And it's in our big 10. And so how do we do that to make people feel so welcome when they come here that it starts off in the right way? And yeah, moments in holidays in uh, just fundamental to like water. Oh, Nick, music to my ears. And I must say, as a new dad of a a 10 month old and with my wife and sort of trying to share those wonderful memories and and really building memories, um, you know, with Marlo that he hopefully remembers as he grows up, or at least we remember and can share with him. It's just the whole name of the game, isn't it? It's just so important. I mean, I've got a 16 year old. And one of the things that we did um, amongst dads, I remember this when he was in year three, is we got a group and we had this sort of dads and lads camping trips. And we take away all of our boys and we go camping uh, once or twice every year and do that. And we still do. Um, and it's a great way for us to, to connect with our kids, boys and girls now, um, and just go away and do stuff 
with them. And, you know, camping is one of those places where you can learn to ride a bike, go in in a boat for the first time, get muddy, get wet, build a fire, cook something. It's it's the way to do it. And those are the moments. And you'll find that with your, with Marla, your 10 month old. Oh, it's, look, it's fantastic. You're speaking music to my ears and I'm sure the audience listening today can find a lot of wisdom in this and a lot of uh, great things to do next too. So on that, um, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been inspiring, fascinating, and, and really just so many great things to do next. Where can people connect with you, learn more about your work, learn more about Reflections Holiday Parks, and if you've got any other suggestions of how they can um, connect and also what to do next? Well, okay. So obviously reflectionsholidays.com.au is the, is the, is our website with a whole lot of stuff on there. And it's not just about as a, it's not a place just to go and book your holiday because you can do that there, obviously, but it's a place for inspiration. It's a place for hopefully you'll see photographs. I mean, and again, you can follow us on Insta or Facebook or any of the other ones. And a lot of our parks do that very well. Um, but it's a place to get some ideas about where your holiday is and what you want to be able to do and just hopefully get some see how we've put these experiences together to help you have the best time you can do when you come to one of our parks wonderful nick thank you so much for being with me today uh it's been a pleasure um would you hang on for a second we could have a little debrief sure mike thank you very much If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.